Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you. All right, true confessions. How many of you turned off the game? <laughs> There's a few. Really? Do you know what happened? Do you want to know what happened? No, I'm just <laughs> oh, man, I, it, it's so fun. To, uh, you know, let's just be honest. We beat the Dodgers. That makes it way more fun, doesn't it? I mean, come on. Come on. It does. So, Katie, if you're at home watching, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> no, it, it's a great time. We had, we had a good time last night. If, if you don't know what anyone's talking about, about the Padres and stuff, like just go to the guest services table after the service, and we'll get you up to speed, okay, on, on things going on. But we're gr- glad to have you here with us today. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of James. Chapter 3 is where we are going today. You know, uh, yes, my house, we were watching uh, the game last night. One of our kids was actually down at the game, but we were watching it, and we're a house of boys we've talked about before, and, and um, it's weird because I would say we're, we're like, more like a house of men now, where all these, you know, the kids who live there, they're older, and they love to work out, and they're, they're getting big, and now I'm just like, the only way I can lift more is because of dad's strength. It's not strength. You know, you just have to dig deeper and because uh, their muscles are bigger and all this. But my boys all, you know, when you have teenage boys, they go through this phase where you can eat anything you want and just because it, it metabolizes as it goes through their body. Like as it hits their stomach, it's already metabolized and gone. And, um, and they just build muscles really easily. So, you know, all of our kids have had a phase where they just walk around the house with no shirt just to make sure we all know, like, yeah, you look great. And, and, but so one of them, he's way into lifting right now, and, and so we talk about muscles a lot and, and getting the right macros and all that. And I'm just like, what do you mean macros? Like Krispy Kreme? Is that what you're talking? Like, what, what are you talking about? But um, he's always talking about the different muscles, and, and one of the things we're thinking about is what is, what's the strongest muscles you have? What, because when I go to work out, which I'm very inconsistent, but I just like to work on what's called glamour muscles. Like, what pops up? I just want to show, like, what can people see the most? That's all I have time for. And he's like, well, you need to have balance, Dad. You need to, you know, work these little, and he knows the names of, I'm just like, I don't need balance. I just need to look good for, like, a minute. Just enough for every once in a while, Sarah goes like, ooh. But, you know, which she's a female, so she probably won't, but as long as I go like that every once in a while, <laughs> look at that old man in the mirror. Anyway, so, but we're talking about muscles, and, and he, he, you know, which are the strongest ones, and, and you, you got your quads and, and your glutes and all of the different things where you can build muscle, but today we're going to actually talk about what the Bible says is the strongest muscle in your body. The strongest muscle in your body is mentioned today. It is the one that has the most power in your whole body, and it is your tongue, the strongest muscle. And I'm going to update it a little bit. I'm going to update it a little bit. It's not only your tongue, but it's also your thumb. It's the strongest muscle in your body. And that's what James is going to be talking about today. So pray with me as we get started. God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for just the joy of of something as simple as as having a home team win a big game and, and just the energy it brings for those who care. (laughs) <laughs> I even thank you for a morning that's kind of drizzly and feels like fall, and it's just it's, the changes in the in seasons sometimes bring new energy as well. And God, we just thank you that through it all, all of our seasons, that you are with us. God, through the good seasons, the hard seasons, through the seasons of great abundance, and the seasons where there's very little, Lord, you're with us. And so today, would you be with us? We know you're here. Help us be aware of you. And I pray that, God, as we look at 
One of the most challenging passages in Scripture, one of the most applicable, God, would you open our hearts to your word and shape and change us that we may be more and more in your image, the image of Jesus. We just pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So James chapter 3 is where we are today. So James chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and uh, if you're new to the Bible, James, the book of James is near, almost in the very back of the Bible. If you get to the book of Revelation, you're a little too far, but you're pretty close. Uh, in digital Bible, just tap your way there. So James chapter 3 starts off and says this, do not become teachers in large numbers, my brothers, since you know that we who are teachers will incur a stricter judgment. That's a great start, isn't it? Uh, just really quick, what he's talking about here is those who are teachers will incur a stricter judgment. This cannot be about salvation, okay? It's not judgment before the throne of God of who's in and out. It's not like James is saying, if you become a teacher, your standard is even higher than a normal person. You need like Jesus plus to save you from your sins. So that, that obviously doesn't make sense that he's talking about a salvation. But what he's uh, setting up is the theme for the day. It's be careful because if you want to be in a public spotlight where you are using your words often, you are going to be under more scrutiny and you have to be even more careful with the words you say. Now any of us who teach regularly, uh, you know, I have, how many times a, a year do I speak, and it's, everything is recorded, which is unfortunate these days, right? Because inevitably, over the course of the year, I'm going to say things that later I go, oh, I don't think I should have said it that way, or I wish I said it differently, or what word did I say instead of the word I meant to say? What slipped out? And everything's recorded. So what James is just saying is, hey, be careful, because words matter, and for those of you who want to just jump to the, to the position of teaching and speaking often, you have to be, have more scrutiny about the words you say. Now, verse 2, this is where he gets into the point. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to rein in the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their whole body as well. Look at the ships, too. Though they are so large and often driven by strong winds, they are nevertheless directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot determines. So also, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. I want you to see that last verse one more time. The tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. It's able to uh, do much more than the size of its muscle can do. So just as you put a, a, a bit in the, the horse's mouth to change the, course of the, change the course of the horse, that's not good, <laughs> of course, of course. Anyway, so, or if you, <laughs> the small rudder changes the course of a large ship, that would just, your tongue is able to change and shape the course of your life. And so what James right here we see is the point of this whole passage is this. Your words have the power to change the course of your life. I want you, if you take notes, I want you to note that. Because this is the point of this whole section. This James is saying, your words have the power to change the course of your life. Proverbs 18 verse 21 kind of would support this, and it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
Now, you might think of that and say, well, how can my words actually change the course of my life? I, I think for most of us, we can pretty quickly think of all the scenarios in which our ch- course of our life could change, right? By words that we say, uh, maybe to somebody, maybe it's in the wrong moment, the, the wrong opportunity. Some of you maybe could say, oh yeah, I used to have a job until my words came out, and, and it changed the course of your life. Uh, for, and, and it can be for the better, too. When my wife said, I do, my life got better. It changed the course of our lives, the words that were said. Now, I want you to do something for just a moment. Think back and try to think of something encouraging that someone has said to you or about you that you heard about. Just think of something that maybe, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a spouse, maybe it happened today. Just something encouraging that you've been said. Someone said this to you. Maybe they affirmed something in you. How does that make you feel? How do you feel about that person? And and maybe it's you heard that they were talking about you in a great way. You said, they said that about me? Really? Now, on the other side, I want you to think about a moment in your life where somebody said something to you that stuck, and it was hurtful, and it's still there. I bet most of us in here, if we went around and said, do you remember a moment? Do you remember a phrase? Do you remember a word that someone said to you? I bet we all could come up with something that was negative. I bet all of us could come up with something. And some of you, maybe it was 50 years ago, and it's still there. You know, I think one of the uh, most untrue statements in the world is, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think that is such a lie that we tell to our kids, isn't it? Oh, words won't hurt you. Like, no, actually, broken bones heal. Words take a long time to heal. Sometimes we can never get over those comments. For some of you, maybe you were raised in a home where you were constantly under the scrutiny of words that were not helpful, were not building you up. And it has shaped the course of your life. Maybe insecurities or maybe overcorrections of trying to prove yourself at any point along the way because you didn't have the ability to grow or you didn't grow up in a home where people were affirming you and building you and strengthening you. Parents, our words are so powerful with our kids. And, and let me just say something, parents. You will mess this up from time to time. You will say the wrong thing sometimes. It's gonna happen. It's okay. People do, you can get through it. So if you're here and you say, oh man, I, I said the wrong thing to my kid, that, it's going to happen. But can we focus on, as parents, knowing that, man, our words to our kids can shape the course of their life. Our words to our spouses can shape the course of their life. Are we build, bringing life and building up? Are we encouraging one another? Are we affirming one another of who they are and what they mean? Words are so powerful. They're so powerful. Unfortunately, we see that even words can literally lead to people deciding to take their lives. Unfortunately, we hear almost every year a story of a teenager who's been bullied. Often it's online now, which has just made it even worse. These anonymous sources where people pour it on and you hear of a kid who just couldn't take it anymore. I remember uh, it's been quite a few years now, but there's a, a student... Uh, in one of the high schools um, that I knew about, and, and she was just what you'd call a normal kid. You know all the cliques in school? There's also the clique of the normal kids, remember? Which we all thought we belonged to, but we didn't all belong to it. But she what? She did. 
she was a normal kid and a ninth grade girl. And, uh, you know, asking people out to dances now has become this big thing. It used to just be like, hey, want to go to the dance? That was it. But now you have to do a, a performance or something to get people to go. And it was the dance where the girls asked the boys. And so she got the courage and she kind of created this elaborate scheme and, and to ask this one boy. And it was kind of hard for her because she, she was a normal kid. This wasn't normal for her to do this as a first dance. And and so she did this kind of a, a bigger production to ask him, and in, it was in front of a big part of the school and at lunchtime, and they saw, and, and he said no to her, which, by the way, it is okay to say no. You don't, you're not forced to do anything. How you say no matters. But he says no to her, and what happens is what happens in high school is all of a sudden people start going, oh, did you see she got rejected in front of everyone? And people just piled it on. And it wasn't long before that that people weren't, they didn't see her around much. She finally showed back up at school after a few weeks, and now she was dressed in all black all the time. Personality completely just shut down. Eventually, she no longer was at the school. I don't know the end of her story. But that happens so often, these stories of just one moment and one response. If the response was, that's so cool that you did all this because you wanted to ask me out and, you know, I'm just not my thing. I'm not into it, so I'm, I don't want to go with you, but that was really cool. You were so creative. That was, that was great. Imagine the difference between that. And then if the other friends are like, oh, she got rejected. So, no, 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 she, it's not because of her. Like, don't make fun of her. It's not a big deal. In fact, someone would be great. would be lucky to have someone who's that thoughtful. Wow, how different would those words be, but... Expecting that in high school is pretty hard, is it not? The course of your life can be changed through words. James understood this 2,000 years ago. Your tongue is your most powerful weapon or, or muscle. Continue on. He says this. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our body parts as that which defiles the whole body and sets it on fire, the course of our life. And it is set on fire by hell. This is pretty extreme words, is it not? For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one among mankind can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Check out that last line. No one among mankind can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, this is a little extreme. This is called hyperbole. He would also, we talk about it brings life. But notice the power that he's saying. That when used for unrighteousness, that this is something that not eat, no one can tame the tongue. Notice at the beginning, he said, anyone who's able to tame your tongue or control what you say is perfect. That's pretty extreme, would you, don't you agree? So what is he getting at on there? We can, we can tame the beasts of the field and birds of the air, but we can't control our words as a human race. I think what he's leading, leading to is just reinforcing this idea of with your words, there's life and death. With your words, we change the course of your life and others. Proverbs 13, verse 3 says this, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. 
He who guard, if you're able to control what you say, you actually preserve your life. And if you can't, if you just open wide your lips, you eventually come to ruin by the words you say. So the solution is let's just quit talking, all right? Let's no one say anything anymore, right? <laughs> Let's take a moment before we get to the positive side and let's look at how do our lips create disruption? What are our words? What are the areas that I want to challenge us with today? Because I think that all of us probably know the truth of this passage and yet it's this, this, these are the easiest things to slip into, to allow yourself to give into. So let's talk about some of the ways that we use our words. We open wide our lips and it brings ruin around us. So I'm sure you could come up with the same list, but let's start with some of the obvious ones. Gossip and slander. What is it about gossip that just feels so good? It's this from hell idea that James is talking about. It just feeds our sinful nature. There's something about talking about someone else that all of a sudden it just, it it does something in your heart. it, It lures you in. One of my favorite shows from the 90s, it was called In Living Color, and it was with the Wayne Brothers and um, Jamie Foxx and uh, Jim Carrey, and and one of the skits in it was this uh, girl named Benita Butris, and she would watch people walk by in the neighborhood and talk to people, and her famous line was this, I'm not one to gossip, so you didn't hear this from me, but (laughs) did you know, (laughs) and then she'd go in to talk. How many times you say, hey, I'm not gossiping, but... But did you see what uh, Ryan did the other day? I mean, I'm not gossiping about him, but man, can you believe what just happened? The problem with gossip, and I would even say slander is very similar, talking about someone, trying to tear them down, is it's done very subtly, and often it's done so that we feel better than them. That we're just one step above that person. We're preserving ourselves, our reputation. If theirs is a little less, then we must be a little more. And that's okay. That's our human condition, right? We want that. But what does gossip do? It starts to instill in us this lack of trust of others. What does gossip do with the people you're talking to? If you're always talking about others when they're not around, guess what your friends are going to think about you when, when they're not with you? I wonder what he's saying about me right now. It starts to get into every relationship and starts to destroy relationships very subtly. One of the ways I I think about this is um, there's a lot of ways we get around gossip, right? We could do what Benita Butcher says when she says, I'm not one to gossip, so you didn't hear it from me. Or maybe you've said, I'm not gossiping, I just need to vent. (laughs) So let me talk about this person for a minute. I'm just venting. Venting's important. There's safe places to vent, and there's safe ways to do it. But that's, that's, that's just code for, hey, I want to gossip, but this is the way I can do it that's godly. It's venting. One way I'd say is, if what you're saying to someone else, you're not willing to say to that person, or when they're in the room, or you're afraid of them walking in the room, you might want to check your heart. Why is it quiet in here? <laughs> Man, this is a hard, this is a hard one. We all do it. We all do it. We all do that. Jesus told us if you have a problem with someone, to go to that person. To confront them. 
See, a lot of our gossip isn't actually a problem with them. It's just our own perspective. And the problem, other problem with gossip is this, is it's really just one side of the story often. I remember when I was working as a barista in a coffee shop, there's a guy who came in every morning. He always ordered the same thing. It was a non-fat, sugar-free vanilla latte, which to me is like, what's the point? Um, but, and he'd come in every day, and, and I called him Skinny Vanilla Dave. That was his name. His name was Dave. He ordered skinny vanilla latte every day. He'd come in, and he always came in in his button-up and his tie, and he was not friendly, and he would just come, and it needs to be done quickly. He needs to get in and out. He has things to do. Just not. And so I could create this narrative about skinny vanilla Dave. I knew everything about him. I knew everything about him. He's just this uptight, high-power businessman, doesn't like people. He'll crush you to get ahead in life. That's skinny vanilla Dave, obviously. I know everything about him. In time, I, you know, went to ask, you know, I got to know him a little bit, like, hey, so what do you do? Found out, okay, oh, you crush people for a living, cool, and um, <laughs> things like that. But one day, I just said, hey, Dave, how are things going? And it's 5 a.m. at the local confession booth, is what I used to call it. And he said, yeah, it's, things have been really hard this year. My, life, my wife left me. I didn't expect that. I don't... I never thought that this would happen to me, that I'm divorced, and now it affects my business, and it just messes up. It's like all the time I'm thinking about it. It just ruins my days. So much pressure on me constantly. Wait, that's not skinny vanilla Dave I know. You know, sometimes when we actually get to the source and get to know a person, we start to hear the other perspective, and we say, I was wrong about you. Gossip often starts with being wrong about someone, or at least not entirely right. And it can destroy relationships. I think I, I know I've been on both sides of it in my life. Making assumptions and talking about people. Saying what they're about without actually knowing. And I bet all of us have been on the other side of it too. They were saying that about me? Really? I thought we were friends. Gossip destroys so many things. What's the other, another one? This one's pretty obvious too. Lying. Do, you have to, do we have to say don't lie? And should we already know that? Proverbs 15.4 says this, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Crushes the spirit. I wonder whose spirit does a deceitful tongue crush? I don't think it's just the person you're lying about. I think it's crushing your spirit. I don't think I need to explain lying. Hopefully we all understand it. <laughs> Next one is this. How about just tearing each other down? Using your words to tear each other down. Guys, have you ever done that? All of you, raise your hand right now. You're a guy. We've done that. That's how guys talked. When I was growing up, like that's like junior high, high school, if you would come in to see our friends hanging out and talking to each other, you'd be like, why do you guys hate each other so much? What are you talking about? That's my best friend. That's why I say those things to him. <laughs> it gets to a point where it, it goes beyond just locker room jesting and playing around to really trying to just tear each other down. Oh, and marriages, this is a good tool to, to just poke at each other, isn't it? Usually it's not the, the hard things. It just might be the small things. Just the little things. Like, oh, 
yeah, so I, I see that you're not very good at da, da, da. tearing each other down instead of building up. Our words are so powerful in that way. With your kids, are you focused on pointing out everything that they do wrong? Or have you built this culture of like, hey, I want to affirm where you're great and I want to build you up and strengthen your, strength, your, your weaknesses by building you up, not tearing you down. Hey, as a coach, I learned, uh, I, I listened to this thing by the athletic director of the University of Michigan years ago, coaching, and I used to uh, share it with the parents. They did a survey of all these college athletes, and they said college athletes' least favorite time of their competition, their whole lives, was the drive home with their parents, especially their dad. And they all said, we like to drive home with our grandparents, because know what our grandparents say to us? Honey, it was so great seeing you out there today. I just love watching you play. To which the dads are like, did you see him make that error at second base? <laughs> Here's the thing. Student athletes or collegiate athletes said this. We know we made the mistake. We didn't need a parent to reaffirm it. We need a couple days to process it. What we needed is someone to say, I love watching you play. I changed that with my own kids when they're getting into about junior high because I heard that and I was like, that's all I say to them now. After a game or something, like, hey, I just love watching you play. And sometimes they don't receive it. They're like, yeah, but did you see me make that error? I'm like, I just love watching you play. I mean, <laughs> would you want to work on that a little bit? Because I can help you. <laughs> How about this last one? There's many other ways we can use our words, but this. Are you contentious? Do you like fighting people with your words? Oh, that one. I've, I'm going to get you on one of these, right? You just, no matter what someone says, you're like, oh, yeah, but, and you go, you go right in to fighting, and everything is a fight for you. And eventually the fight turns to, like, let me just give you a little jab on the way out. Find a way to hurt each other with your words. If you, are you contentious? You just love to fight. Proverbs 15.1 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Do you find when people confront or you hear things you don't agree with, do you find that it kind of escalates around you or do things calm down? Because if things are always escalating around you, you might want to check yourself. Because a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. That's a tough one. Again, real subtle. And unfortunately, we don't have very good role models in the public forum anymore, do we? There's no politicians, uh, very few I should say, that I could turn to and say, oh, they're, they're modeling this well. There's very few celebrities that you say, they, they model this well. What we now see and what our kids are growing up seeing is politicians and movie stars and all the, the news anchors, everybody, that they're not only just causing strife, but they're name-calling are you kidding me? The adults who are role models in our world, they like make up names for each other. And I'm not just referring to one person. This happens all over the place. Really? What is this that we've gotten to? Why? Because we want to tear people down because it makes us feel better. It's very subtle. If Christians were committed to the ways of Jesus and learned these things and said, a oh, harsh word, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. We're going to be people who are about gentle answers. 
what would change? What would change? I remember a few years ago, you might remember this, but Ellen, DeGen- Ellen DeGeneres, who's not a spokesperson for Christianity, but she was at a Dallas Cowboys game with George Bush. Anyone remember that? So she was in a, in a suite, and they were watching the Cowboys game, and she and George Bush were kind of joking around and talking, and she got thrashed on Twitter for hanging out with George Bush. Because they said, what are you doing with him? And, and just all this stuff. And she came out and gave her explanation of why. And her explanation of you, is, you can't just be kind to people who agree with you. It's not the, and so she came out with this beautiful, gentle response. You can look it up on, online. It's actually this real funny and a great response about why she was there. And she got thrashed for her great response. In fact, she's now canceled anyway. And, and you just think, like, there's just no grace anymore in this world. If anyone should be people of grace, it's people who've been saved by the grace of Jesus. Amen? Okay, let's go back. Verse 9. So those are some of the subtle ways that the tongue can tear down life. Verse 9. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. I love when it in Scripture just gets to the point. Hey, This should not be this way. If the same mouth that a minute ago we were singing hallelujah, which means highest praise to our Lord, and we're praising Jesus, and that same mouth, we curse someone who's made in the image of God and in the church who has the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in them, James is saying, this makes no sense. And cursing them is not just cursing at them, by the way. You go, I never curse at them speaking words against them to tear them down, often slander, deceit, and all those things. And by the way, this doesn't mean you never confront someone. Remember, there's a proper way to confront someone. So this doesn't mean you let everything go, but it's how you do it. So we don't curse someone and then bless God with the same mouth. James says, this should not be. I don't know if I need to say more. I think your words should reflect the value that we give to others. We say that they are valuable people in the eyes of God. Shouldn't our words reflect that value? We say you are a child of God. You matter. You've been made in his image. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Shouldn't our words reflect that truth? Let's keep going. Verse 11. Does a spring send forth... Uh, send out from the same opening both fresh water and bitter water. Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives, or vine bear figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh water. In other words, we, it doesn't make sense. So here's a question for us today. How do we tame our tongue and our thumbs? How do we learn to control them? I want to give you just a few practical things to take away today. First one is this. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. I actually think when James starts, he says, mankind is unable to control the tongue. You know who is? The Holy Spirit of God. God who dwells in you is actually the one producing in you this ability to have 
Your, your words transformed and changed. This is the new you. Second Peter chapter 1, the whole section says, this is what is true of you. So now you are a person of kindness. You are a different kind of person. So quit thinking you have to live in the old life, the old self. We need to surrender to the Holy Spirit. We need to find those times in our lives where we just say, God, I give you this area of my life. You know it would be a great prayer for all of us to start off the day? Lord, today, may my words be pleasing to you. Would you help me in that area of my life? I surrender it to you. It has to start with a posture of saying, God, I've tried this on my own. I need your spirit. I surrender this part to you. Maybe you can start off the day as a family that way. Say, Lord, my kids surrender their life to you, this part of it, <laughs> whatever. Okay, so surrender to the Holy Spirit. The next one is this. Examine your heart. Examine your heart. Why do I say that? Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. He then says, the evil person out of the evil treasures of his heart produces what is evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. See, a theme throughout scripture is what's on the inside is what actually comes out of your mouth. What you have, what you say is true, or what you are dwelling on, what's in your heart is what comes out. If you are struggling with gossip or lying or tearing others down, stop and examine your heart and say, where is this coming from? What, why am I always contentious? Where is that coming from? Why do I always need to be right? Why do I always need to fight? There's probably areas in your life, and we have life coaches at this church, we have counselors in this church, they can probably dig deep enough to find out where some of that is. But a lot of it, often, we're trying to justify ourselves. Maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's insecurities. You know. What are the areas of your life? But examine your heart and say, God, why are these things coming out? I remember when I was, uh, had a season uh, quite a few years ago, I was a lot younger and working at a church where there was some turmoil in the church. And I remember every conversation I was having with, uh, with a coworker, one of my um, colleagues, it just felt like it turned negative every time. And we had this moment where we just got to this point, like, why are we doing this? Why is every time we get together, it just becomes negative? And it was actually right around the season of Lent. And we decided, you know what we're going to give up for Lent this year? We gave up negativity. And, and we actually said, we're going to just be positive for, for 40 days. Every conversation that we have, if, if this negativity pops up, we're going to turn it and, and call out what is good. Man, you know how much that changed the direction of that relationship and even how we were working? Just to say, we're, we're giving up negative. We had to examine our hearts because it was coming from a place of just no desire for healing or progress. So examine your heart. And then the last one that we have for you on the screen, uh, commit to using your words uh, to build up others or commit to using your words for good. So not only do we surrender, then we want to ask, where are the areas where I'm kind of, why is this stuff coming out? And then finally, commit to saying, God, I want to use my words for good. Look what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up others as it fits the, the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. What if we commit to using our words for good, 
for building up others. The psalmist writes in Psalm 19, verse 14, it says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. If we start with this posture, if we say we want the words of our mouth to be pleasing in the sight of the Lord, we're committed to saying we want our words to be used for building up others. And, there, and there's going to be hard seasons that it's going to be more difficult. There are seasons where you just need to close your mouth. <laughs> you might just say, I can't do anything positive right now. Then just try to, you know, not say anything. <laughs> As James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. So commit to using your words to build up others. Let me invite the worship team to make their way back up. And I think a, a section like this in Scripture is one that I probably could have just read it with you and let you kind of journal down your areas of conviction. But the point of us looking into Scripture every week is not just to hear something good and say, oh, that was nice, or oh, that's uncomfortable. But it's actually to say, Lord, is there any area of my life you want to change and transform? And to walk out there and let the Holy Spirit do his work in us. That's the point. Because the rest of the week, you're going to be able to practice this. I promise you. Some of you practice on your drive here. <laughs> as soon as you got in the car to church, you had an opportunity to practice positive words or negative words. <laughs> Some of you on the drive home, one of you is going to be hangry. <laughs> and you're going to be presented an opportunity to practice this. And you're going to slip and fall. James told us that. We all will stumble. But you have an opportunity to say, how will my words be used for life, not death? Let's give this time to the Lord. God, we thank you so much for your word. And I thank you for how practical it is sometimes. Passage of scripture like this should be taught in every single school across the globe and applied to every life. And I wonder how different this world would be. But Lord, it's given to us as followers of you. And we know we're already saved. We know that we're already in your arms and, and we have new life. But God, we need your help to walk in that new life. So would you continue to shape and change us from the inside out? And Lord, those areas of our lives where we need you to do the work in us. Those areas where we give in to sin. Those areas where, where we use our words to bring destruction, not life. Would you start just chipping it away and change us? And we thank you that our hope isn't in our ability to do this perfectly. Our hope is in your completed work on the cross. And the work is already finished and our hope is in that. So thank you for giving us that life. Help us bring that life to others. We give you this time in Jesus. Proverbs writes this, when a person's ways please the Lord, causes even his enemies to be at peace. We pray, God, we thank you for your hope, your life, the grace you pour out to us. Lord, I do pray as a church, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight. So God, as we go, remind us of these truths. We give them to you in your name. Amen. Hey, as you leave, let me give you one last challenge this week. 
Would you this week, when your thumbs or your tongue are ready to say something negative, would you just pause? (laughs) Hold it in. And maybe a different challenge. Could you, this week, use this for good? Maybe send a text, social media post. Let our words build others up. Thanks for coming. Say hello to one another. Go grab some coffee together. Have a great morning.